Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Last Sunday we talked about the fact that you have eternal life, and the life that you have is not ordinary life. The life you have is the God kind of life. And the Bible also says, It says, lay hold on eternal life. In other words, lay hold on that great thing that is inside of you. That's why the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say, amen. Amen. So I want you to move about with the consciousness of knowing that God is with you. Okay? So in fact, sometimes you have to say it over and over to yourself. God is with me. And I say that to myself knowing that he's with me as a mighty terrible one. That's God. He's with you. But with, with, with a pillar of uh, cloud <clears throat> in the daytime and a pillar of fire by night, he was with the children of Israel. And Moses also said something. He says, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, then don't take us any farther. Because he knew the importance of God's presence. So say with me again, God is with me. I know some people are responding to me who may feel abandoned or who may feel like God is not with them. Some of you want to feel goosebumps. You just want to feel the natural um, emotional presence of God. But hey, you just have to know. Just knowing that God is with you does it. So God is with you. Whether you feel like it or not, he's with you. Whatever you're going through, he's with you. You are not alone. Somebody say amen. So, even if you see the life of um, Jacob, when Jacob got the blessing from his father, which is Isaac, Jacob received not the blessings, but the blessing. Not blessings, but the blessing. Not blessings, but the blessing. And after his father laid hands on him, when he received that blessing, he left the house. His older twin brother, who is Esau, inherited the blessings in the house but Jacob ran away with the blessing now the blessing would always produce the blessings we we all know that by now but you see Esau knew that even if he inherited all the things that his father left for him there was something that was missing which is the blessing and the blessing is what you and I have received in Christ Jesus No wonder the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham has rested upon the Gentiles. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might rest upon the Gentiles. So I have the blessings of God. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, how do you have the blessings of God? All the promises of God in Christ, they are yes and they are amen. So who is in Christ here? I'm in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Let me show you that. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Is it up there on the multimedia? Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? Okay. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Somebody say, in Christ. Are you in Christ? So that means you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So he's saying that the one who blessed you is already blessed. Okay? It it characterizes the nature of God first of all. Saying that God is called blessed. So the one who blessed you is blessed. 
Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, right, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is important to know that you are blessed in spiritual places, in heavenly places, high places, above every principality and power. Whatever has the right to curse you must be above you. That's the principle. Balaam was going to curse the children of Israel. He was hired by a king to curse the children of Israel. And the moment he got there, he climbed up a mountain. He was going to pronounce a curse upon them. And he saw that there was a blessing already speaking on their behalf. So instead of cursing them, blessings began to come out of his mouth. And that's the story of many of you. When people mean evil for you, they cannot help but favor you. Because the works of their hands are not in correspondence with what they intend to do in their heads. And that's a sign of someone who God is with. Say God is with me. The Bible says that when your, when your ways pleases the Lord, he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. The children of Israel were leaving Egypt one day. I mean, uh, the day of their emancipation from Egypt. And whilst they were going... Um, the Egyptians who did not want them to go, who wanted them to be in slavery, in subjection. They didn't know when they took their gold, their precious stones, everything that was good, and they handed it over to the children of Israel. And that's the way it is for God's people. Because why? The wealth of the Gentiles will be transferred to the righteous because you are God's child and you have his presence in your life. So you are mandated to be favored by God. God is with you. Are you still here? So God, God is with you. So Balaam, uh, he looked at the people and he couldn't curse them. Then he moved up to a higher mountain so that he can curse. Because the higher you go, the more credibility it gives to your cursing. But he saw that even if he changed position, he still couldn't curse them. Then he said, look, a shout of the king is amongst his people. And God is now saying that I'm going to bless you in such a way that I would raise your blessing standard to the highest level of spiritual height. That's why he says when he raised you up, he raised you up with Christ. So you are seated far above principalities and powers. So nobody can curse you if you are in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not under a curse. So so when you say, Pastor, I see that there is a curse. Um, um, operational in my life um, there are patterns that look like a curse, curse from my father's house, curse from my um, my family house listen to me, if any man is in Christ he's a new creation all things have passed away and all things have become new, now hear this I'm not saying that patterns do not exist but for yourself when you stay conscious of who you are in Christ those things end are you getting what I'm saying? Those things, what? They stop. So you have the authority to speak from your position, knowing that you are the blessed of God, and you cannot be under a curse. Say, God is with me. He says, I will never leave you, nor what? Forsake you. Therefore, you would boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What shall man do to me? Let me show you something in John chapter 5 and verse 2. John chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. Next verse. 
In this uh, lay a great multitude of sick people. I want you to see the tense that it uses here. Multitude of sick people. Lame, blind, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Next verse. Now a certain man there who had an infirmity 38 years. Uh, Next verse. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Next verse. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stead. I'm sure we all know the story. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Next verse. And immediately, somebody say immediately. The man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath day. This was one of the Sabbath miracles. And if you see all the Sabbath miracles Jesus did, uh, none of them who he did miracles for initiated the miracles. Every miracle Jesus did on the Sabbath day, he initiated the miracle because Sabbath means rest. And what rest is saying is that you don't have to do the work. I, God, will do the work. Are you still here? So on the sixth, on the seventh day, God rested when he did the creation. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, he made man. If you look at the time that he made man, it was the concept of rest because on day six, when he made man, Um, everything had been ready from day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. So man was coming into a prepared place. You remember that because you are coming into prepared things. So God, God doesn't want you to come and toil and do the, no, 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 no. There's a difference between working and toiling. You know, we're praying on Friday and we said, listen, God has given you the grace to work, not to toil. In other words, the things that you do are supposed to be done easily. Say amen. amen. I want to talk to people who know God is with them. The things that you're supposed to do are not supposed to be done with toiling. That's not your life. Your life is that things are supposed to be done and to be accomplished easily. Think about a tree. If the, if the, axe, of the, or if the axe that you're using to cut the tree is dull, uh, it's going to take more work for you to cut that tree down. So the issue is not even about you cutting the tree down, but it is how easy are you doing what you're doing. And that's why the Bible says that he has made you above the strivings of men. If other people are striving, you are not supposed to strive. So God says, I've bestowed upon you the grace to do things easily. Somebody say easily. Easily. Say it again. Say easily. easily. So on the seventh day, God rests, not because he's tired. But because he's establishing a concept that you must learn how to rest and allow what you have created work so that you rest. It's part of the economy of man. When things from your inside begin to come forth and God, um, he gives you gift. Everybody has a gift. Every single person has a gift. But when that gift is harnessed and it is worked on, there is some education on the gift. There is some brushing on the gift. You allow the gift to manifest. At a point in your life, you're going to be resting while the the work from the gift that you have, the work is now working for you and you are resting. 
And that's the concept of life. So God says, I'm resting. So you have the creation rest. You have uh, the Canaan rest. Canaan rest is how God leads the children of Israel into the land of Canaan. That's rest. But in today, we have the third kind of rest, which is redemption rest. And that rest is that you have come into Christ. So you are now resting, not because you are not working from what you have received in Christ. But when I mean rest, I mean that he has done all the work and you are just bringing it out. So when the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it doesn't stop there. My father told me one day, he says, how can you work out what has been worked in? So the one who did the work in is the actual work. So you are working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it doesn't stop there. The next verse now says, for it is God who works both in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you say, why do you think you are the one who is working? You are the one who is doing the laboring. It is actually not you who is doing the laboring. It's the spirit of God in you that is doing the working. This is why I told you you are not supposed to struggle. You are not supposed to be under stress. Say amen someone. When you have received the grace of God, you work harder than people who don't have grace. But when they see the result of what you do and how you do what you do and the result of it, they cannot connect it because what you do is way more than the effort that you put in. It is called grace. And from the outside, it may look like you're working extra hard, but you don't even feel it because the grace of God is working in you. Somebody say amen. So the grace of God is not a license for laziness. No. We who have received the grace of God, we work harder. Say amen somebody. We work harder, but it is the grace of God that is working in us. So, if you go back to the story of John chapter 5 and verse, from verse 2, the Bible says that there was a company of lame people, paralyzed people, impotent people. And there was something the Spirit of God told me. He said, anytime people are in trials or issues or having problems, they're always trying to look for a company. Now, if you imagine... If you imagine this place, this place where it's called the Pool of Bethesda, if you imagine it very well, you would see that um, per season, it is only one person who is healed. Every other person who is around there is sick. Every other person who is around there is sick. Have you heard the statement before that says, misery loves company? Have you heard it before? It is true. You know, there's some comfort you derive when you know that everybody in your area doesn't have light when you don't have light. I'm bringing it down so you can, you can relate with what I'm saying. Do you know how you feel when your neighbor has light and you don't have light? And you paid rent and you, you have meter. Do you know how it is? Do you know how it feels? It doesn't feel nice. So when you go out the window and you see that there's no light, you check and your neighbor doesn't have light. You say, uh-huh. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? So misery likes company. Are you still here? But you see, what God is saying to you, get out of the company of misery. Stop encouraging the company of misery. I've always said something. I don't allow people pity me. Why? Because God is with me. Listen, don't allow anybody pity you. Don't, don't allow people, what? Pity you. Don't behave as if God is not with you. God is with you. The Bible says that he will comfort Israel, he will comfort Jacob and all her waste places. And scripture says that her wilderness shall become like 
the, the garden of Eden and her desert places shall become like the garden of the Lord because he will comfort you. He's comforting you and he's also solving the problem. So the problem is not solved and you are still heart aching because sometimes we pray from the place of misery and when God answers the prayer, we're still in misery even though the answer has come. So there are two folded works that he needs to do. He needs to do a work in you and he also needs to solve the problem. But you know when you pray for peace many times, what he does is he does the work in here. And he says, be anxious for nothing, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will garrison your heart through it. In other words, that God is going to give you peace in your heart. And even if the answer has not come, because of the peace in your heart, you will calm the storm on the outside. So the first place God answers the, the, uh, the prayer is in here. It's in here. Look at Jesus. He was sleeping in the boat. And he had peace inside of him before he said, peace be still on the outside. From the place of sleep, you look at the storm and say, come on, my friend, be quiet. Why? Because you inside, you are quiet. You are not running helter-skelter as one who doesn't have help. I'm not without help. (laughs) Say that with me. Say, I'm not without help. The Bible says, greater is he that is what? In me than he that is in the world. Take me to that scripture. John chapter 5. Keep me on the scripture. John chapter 5 and verse 2. John chapter 5 verse 2. So you see now, there was a company. Move to the next. Uh, Is this verse 2? John chapter 5 and 2. So there was a great company of people who were paralyzed and people who were sick and people who were oppressed and all of that. Move to uh, the next verse, verse 3. It says, in this great great multitude of sick people, blind, lame and all. Move to the next verse, verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, you see the word whoever steps in first, it speaks of performance. This is under the law, right? And those people who were in the Old Testament were, I don't have time to explain this. They were in a kind of type and shadow of the substance which was to come. So you see people like Abraham, he would operate sometimes under the type and shadow of the coming Christ. It was shadow. What is a shadow? A shadow is a sign that the substance is there. Who understands what I'm saying? A shadow is a sign that there is a substance. So everybody in the Old Testament operated under the shadow. But the real substance was just ahead. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. How? God preached the gospel to Abraham. Even though the Christ had not come, but he saw the Christ. That's why Jesus said, Abraham believed or he longed, he rejoiced to see my days. Jesus is the one talking now. Are you still here? So Abraham saw the coming Christ and he rejoiced, even though he never met Christ, but he rejoiced in the anticipation of the Christ. Are you still here? Every other person, every other player in the Old Testament um, had the similitude of the coming of Christ, had the type and the shadow of the coming of Christ. But when the Christ has come, which is the substance, we don't need the shadow again. Okay, so now in this scenario, um, the pool of Bethesda, the sheep gate or the sheep pool is called a gate, is an access. And Bethesda means house of mercy. That's the meaning of Bethesda. Think about it. It's a place called Bethesda, house of mercy. And there are so many sick people in that place. Have you been in a place where it is contradictory to what you are going through? What you are feeling on the inside is not where it looks like you are. Have you ever been there before? That's the way it is. How can these people be in a, in a place called the Bull of Bethesda? 
in the house of mercy and nobody's, nobody's healed. Okay, why is it only one person healed? Old Testament principle, performance. He who gets in first. So an angel is going to come, stir the waters, and when he stirs the waters, the one who gets there first is the one who gets healing. There was a day my father was telling me of a story when he went to London for uh, Dr. Maurice Arulo's program. It was one of the biggest um, um, revival meetings that he had in the UK, Dr. Maurice Arulo. And healings, all kinds of miracles were happening inside of the inside of the building. He got outside and he saw that there were some lame people, sick people who were at the gate with placards saying, Dr. Maurice, we don't want your healing. Take your healings away. Take your miracles away. And then I thought about it. I'm like, why? I thought this is what they've always prayed about. Now, I see it this way that Someone can be in a condition for a long time and get so used to the condition and get so used to the coping mechanism from the condition that you do not want to get out of the condition. So that's what it was. It was purely a political, economical move. That they were shouting, take your healing away. We don't want your healing. It's the same way I remember in the 1991 riot when Rehad Bonke came to Kano and Kano revolted. Because all kinds of miracles and healings had caught across Nigeria through Rehad Bonki. And when he came to Kano, he didn't even spend minutes in Kano. Because they rejected the gospel. They knew that the moment the man preaches the gospel, thousands of northerners are going to receive Christ. We bless God for what the missionaries did in early Nigeria. If you go to some parts of the north, many of them are Christians. Are you aware of that? Many, And that's mostly the work of a lot of missionaries that came before you and I. So it says, we don't, we don't, we don't want your miracle. Take your healing. Take your miracle away. Take, take this. We don't, we don't want it. Why? Because of a 2,000 naira someone is giving you just because you are lame. It's a, it's a way we do many times. You are in pain, but you are protecting your pain because of the sympathy you get from people. Stop protecting your pain. Expose your pain and allow God penetrate it and heal you completely. Some of us enjoy the condition that we're in. Why? Because of the little aid you get from the condition. And that's how a lot of people are selling our birthright in Nigeria. Are you still here? So we don't stay in the... We must be able to lift up our head from where we are and look to the possibilities that they are. That's why the Bible says, he who is sick, let him call for the elders. Don't stay in the company of the sick. Look for who is well and call the person. Look for who has the power to speak over your life and change the situation. Stop looking, moving about for people to pity you. Hey, yeah, sorry, take. Hey, yeah, so would your life always be about sorry? God forbid a bad thing. You're not staying in one position today. You're moving forward from glory to glory. Who says amen to that? You're moving forward from grace to grace, from wisdom to wisdom, from ability to ability. Say amen, somebody. So that's your life. It's a pastor. This, this man of God, he's a man of God. Man of God, but he died in sickness. Look for other examples. So. Look for other examples. You say, how can this person... I remember when Papa Idausa died, uh, the late Archbishop died, and a lot of people were saying, if Papa can die, then why can't I die? The man did great miracles. He did awesome things. He did mighty miracles in the hand of God. You don't know the deal between him and God. Papa had finished his assignment. He was prepared to go. And you are comparing your life with him. 
You know, if I, when I look at the life of Papa, 59 years old, 59, and the man died. Think about it. He was 59. And I, I think about it. He acted as if he was 70. If you think about all the things that Papa did, it's, it's like a man who had lived four lives. Ha. Supernatural speed. Look at Jesus. Jesus had no time because he needed to do this thing quick for you and I. At the age of 30, he was done. If Jesus was not careful, do you know that failure for Jesus will be long life? <laughs> failure for Jesus. Because he would have been struggling in, he would have gone to Gethsemane maybe six times. Father, if it's possible, leave this thing. We'll come back tomorrow. Father, if it's possible, the next year he will go, come back again. If it's possible, let your will be done. Six times he will go come back. By that time he's 45. When one uh, 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 soldier strikes the nail, the kind of shout that the old man will shout. So he was, he was necessary that he died at a young age. Are you still here? So listen, focus, put your, let your life be focused on the word of God. Okay. And take godly examples and pattern your life according to those examples. Pattern your life according to those examples. This guy came in the spirit of Elijah. What's his name? John the Baptist. Do you know that what happened to Elijah happened to him? Think about it. John the Baptist, it was prophesied that he will come in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. How did Elijah come? Elijah had great anointing upon him. But there was one thing that Elijah had no power over. Political power. If his spiritual power, he dismantled spiritual power. All the prophets of Baal, he gathered all of them. He says, call upon your God. None of them could succeed. By the time he rose and called upon Jehovah, God came down with fire, licked the water, consumed the sacrifice. Then the next day, Jezebel now said, the wife of the king, if your head is still on your body, by this time tomorrow, then it's me and you. Do you know that the prophet took off? He didn't only run, he fell into depression. Now, John the Baptist comes in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Do you know something? It was political power that killed John the Baptist. Same thing that was going with him. Sometimes your examples, if they are not Christ, if they are people, if your examples are mostly people and you don't know how to look at Christ, you'll be stuck. Your spiritual life can be stuck with people rather than looking at Christ. But I'm here to let you know that the Christ has come. Look at the Christ. Stop looking at the people who represent the Christ. There's a place where our lives are supposed to be examples. So Paul says, as I follow Christ, follow me. It makes sense because he's following Christ. But if he's not following Christ, then why are you following him? So as he follows Christ, you follow him. But ultimately, the job of the pastor is to point people to Christ, not to themselves. Not to themselves. That's why a lot of pastors are having problems. Why? Because you don't want people to be pointed to Christ. The moment they see Christ, they will know they have liberty in Christ and they don't need you. So, we pastors, we like control. You don't need to shout there. <laughs> we pastors, we like what? Control. Because we want to feel that every miracle must come through us. Who said so? We're not the, we're not the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the one who wills. So there's a place of the pastor. There's a place of the authority in the church. You don't take that away. There is a, because not all are called to be pastors. And you must count them of double honor, especially those that labor in the word. Say amen. amen. 
So that means you must honor your pastor. You must respect them. You must value them. You must lift them to a high place in your heart. You must do that. But you must not worship them. Are you still here? You must not worship them. But you must honor them. You must respect them. You must value them. But not worship them. So now the Christ has come. And the man says to Jesus, I don't have a man. I don't have a man to help me to the pool. And Jesus said, see a man has come here. How can the solution come? The solution is there standing and you are looking for another solution outside. The solution is here right now. I came to announce to someone, Jesus is here and he's here to turn things around for you. Who's expecting the supernatural here? Who's expecting miracles? I gave a number of days that certain things will happen. We just don't have the time to take all the testimonies. There are a lot of testimonies happening amongst people here in this house. And those who know how to lambano, you know what lambano is? Lambano means to hold the word of God. When words of prophecy come, those who know how to hold it are those who are experiencing it. John says, I write unto you, those who believe in the name of Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life. So lift your two hands up. We're going to pray right now. I'm a short of healings in this place. Are you hearing me? I don't care what the disease is. Runo, please come and help me. I don't care what the sickness is. I don't care. I don't care what kind of ailment it is. I don't care what predicament you are in. I don't care how much debt you owe. There is going to be a turn. You see someone who had 50 something thousand dollars to pay a debt and God supernaturally overturned that debt. How much is yours? How much is yours? How much is yours? How much is the problem that you have? If you call that problem big, God is bigger than it. So lift up your hands and say, Father, I receive all that you're giving me today. I receive. Pastors, please come help me. Come forward. We're going to share the communion right now. I receive everything that you have given me today. I take hold. I lay hold on that which you have kept for me. I lay hold on that which you have reserved for me. I receive that which you have given to me. I take hold of that which you have kept for me. I come in to prepare things in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm speaking to a lady who has ulcer. He's been there for a period of time. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the resurrected power of God, that also disappears right now. It disappears right now. It disappears right now. I'm seeing God correcting somebody's eyes. I don't know who you are. You're not seen properly with one eye, but he's correcting your eyes, says the Lord. It is happening right now. I see someone receiving a miracle immediately. Immediate miracle. I'm not talking about a miracle in progression. I'm talking about immediate miracle. Who is here receiving it? It's yours. I see a lump disappearing from a lady. You go back and check. That lump is gone. That lump is disappeared. That lump is disappeared. That lump is disappeared. A man, there is, there is signs of prostate cancer. In the name of Jesus, I burn that thing right now. You are delivered and you are free in the name of Jesus. Lift up your two hands, everybody. Pray the Holy Ghost if you can. Pray the Holy Ghost if you can. Now, I want to speak into your business. Hmm? There is going to be multiplication right now. In geometric progression, says the Spirit of God. In other words, men and women are about to remember you. 
you are going to have traction in your business. All of a sudden, people are going to be calling you from left, right, and center. The doors are open before you. Who is taking this word? I'm speaking right now in the name of Jesus. The doors and the gates are open before you. Somebody shout a loud amen if it is you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.